Welcome to Roll With Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and, of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imaginations to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Roll With Adventures campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I'm the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. And today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode begins on Murgistan, the fourth of Leonay, in the year 1083 PR. In the depths of the catacombs beneath the Tenorian Abbey, where our heroes have entered into the necromancer Putrilax's lair with the hopes of defeating him, freeing the Abbey, and saving the magic of the denizens of Baramunds. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. And to decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So... How dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? Well, um, I'm currently using my work keyboard as I managed to knock a can of soda onto my old keyboard. Um, and it's not quite working right. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself a negative two. I have regularly been going out for walks around the neighborhood on my lunch break and after work. And it's that time of year when those like little worm things hang down on their little threads that look like spider webs out of the trees and i haven't got any in the face yet i've been pretty adept at dodging them so i'm going to take a plus two i was at a park with a zip line today with all five of my toddlers and my 13 month old has decided that it is his life's goal to stand right where the zip line goes and get knocked over by all the big kids riding on the zip line. And I managed to make sure that he never did once get hit by that zip line, despite his absolute best efforts. So I think I should get a plus one. I recently moved my home office into our spare room and away from my computer station so that I essentially could separate my work time and my leisure time uh, such that I would be less stressed out. And that has been a ringing success. Um, but the reason that's relevant is that my all my com- all my computer stuff in the other room is plugged into one, not one outlet, but one of those power bars that's sort of mounted flush to the wall. And earlier this week, I managed to move the table with my laptop on it in such a way that it pulled that whole thing out of the wall at once. Uh, and it's a good thing that I'm on a laptop because the battery was still up. So I didn't, like my whole computer didn't shut down, but like the the second monitor did um i was charging my phone that shut down like it was just it was a it was a and then of course all the cables got tangled together and it was kind of a nightmare and i hadn't really finished my coffee yet so for about 20 minutes i just sat there like untangling cables and drinking coffee and being like this is the worst so i'm also going to take a minus two well let's see what you roll 
Did you use that knocking over another soda can? Because it sounded very much soda can. No, uh, I rolled a three, been... so I get a one total. Must have been something else. Um, I got a 15, so 13 total. Oh my gosh, it's a good thing I took a plus. That's five. I got a ten. My name is David. I play Jovan Savvy J. Cooperson, a human rogue. And uh, my fun fact for the day is uh, he's a little bit of an architectural nerd, um, but his all-time favorite style is Drake Gut, uh, which is a dwarven above-ground building style popularized by Uma Drake Gut roughly 800 years ago um, when they made the first borough-like embassy in the town of Olishan. Um Fun fact, this is also the style that is... Uh, the boroughs directly outside of his home in the city I just blanked on the name on. Uh, Dwemer Hollow. Dwemer Hollow. Uh, fun fact, that is the style of building uh, used by the dwarves directly outside of his home in Dwemer Hollow. Hello, I am Sasha. I play Faelith, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. Uh, my fun fact about Faelith this week is that she has a specific kind of tree that she likes to make nests in. They are the kind of trees that have those roots that grow up over things. You can kind of get deep underneath there and have like a warm, dry place to sleep. Uh, as she calls them nappy trees. Because you can have a good nappy under them. So cute. Hi, my name is Allie and I'm playing Cory. Anna Calafi Bostuk base, the Goliath Paladin. And fun fact about Kawari is that uh, when Kawari was imprisoned and their prison sentence was up, they almost didn't leave because they almost didn't let them leave. The um, Kawari had greatly increased the export of stones and uh, the prison and the people that received the stones had come to expect this increase in productivity and so they were reluctant to let quarry go but fortunately bavel came to collect quarry and arrange for their release a little bit later than it should have been but thank goodness that uh, they came back for them my name is brian i am at mind over brian on twitter and on twitch although on twitch i spell it with a zero and I am playing Melian Barebone, the changeling barbarian who often, but not always, looks like a bearded house-elven young man uh, with a large scar cutting from his upper lip towards his right ear. Uh, a fun fact about Melian is that um, he had a, a friend when he first joined the Red Exiles, who were the mercenary guild that he was part of, uh, named Lefric of Adenon. And they were they were buddies for a little while until Melian was recognized for his bravery in a specific battle and he got a promotion. And uh, Lefric uh, did not appreciate that his friend who had not been in the in the mercenary group as long had gotten a promotion before him. And so the relationship began to sour. Uh, and in an effort to make, uh, to speed his own promotion, uh, Lefric took a uh, rather uh, 
unacceptable risk during a battle um, and had his right arm cut off. Uh, not his right arm, sorry, just his right hand. He lost his right hand, um, which gave him the nickname Lefty. But he blamed Melian for not preventing him from taking that risk. And so uh, they were uh, essentially enemies right up until he was uh, killed at the battle that uh, only Melian survived. Uh, and Melian still feels guilt about that, despite the fact that it was not his fault in the least. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. There was a note of melancholy to that, uh, that tune. It's got me a little worried. I am sure we will all come out of this alive. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if alive should be the bar we're drawing here, guys. <laughs> I mean, we're in a room with a guy with a crazy magic cannon, and we don't know how... Yeah, but it's pointed away from us. For now. And he doesn't know that we're not his friends. That's true. Considering the lineup we have, he should be more worried about being in the room with a magic cannon than we should be. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, Kuari is not worried at all. They are very excited about killing a necromancer, but Allie is a little concerned. Our session begins within the bowels of the catacombs beneath the Tenorian Abbey, just after your party has entered the rooms claimed by the necromancer Putrelax as his laboratory and study. The room before you is an expansive rectangular chamber bathed in eerie green glow. The chamber is 160 feet long and 60 feet wide, filled with rows of stone caskets, save for the central area, the far side, and a few walkways between. In the center of the room sits a square of tables, each with a corpse piled on them, arrayed around a large contraption that is a mixture of pipes and canisters, suspending what appears to be brains within a lightly bubbling greenish fluid. A haze of energy crackles around them. But your attention is drawn to the far side of the room, and the source of the eerie green glow. A contraption that whirs and clicks, similar in design to a ballista, crafted of metal pipes, gears, knobs, levers, and other things, from which an arc of brilliant green light flies. Mounted on it is an arm-length green gem, one that matches the descriptions you have been told, and that appears to be its source of power. Standing at the helm of the machine is a man, garbed in a black robe with his hood down. One hand rests on the lever while he gesticulates with the other, to a woman strapped into a nearby chair. The air crackles with energy, and the putrid scent of decay fills your nostrils. Now you see, my dear, the black-robed figure, whose voice clearly does identify him as Putrelax, speaks to this elderly lady. Though Putrelax is turned away from you, you can clearly see the, el the elderly woman. Her face is bathed in the sickly green light. And she looks exceedingly tired. So long as I make one attempt each day, 
Then my reports to Witchmaster Paradimos, and by extent to Mistress Coldthought, are not lies. But I am sure that once I am done my work here, that they will see this errand they send me on is of little importance. They will see that my work... He reaches out to stroke her chin. No. Our work is of vital importance. Martin, you're mad. The old woman strapped to the chair, rebukes him. No, no, Estrella. You simply do not see my genius. You could have joined me five years ago. You could have joined me, and we could have harnessed everything. With your knowledge of the flare, my magic, and the patronage of bliss, we could have ushered in an entirely new world. The flare, it would have culled the weak, from, and from it, a workforce would have risen. The damned, the undead. Don't you see? Cull the weak so that the strong may rule. No longer would we need to spend our time on trivia. Trivialities. <coughs> Let the undead do it for us. Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? Once I've obtained the bones of that treacherous fiend and t twisted the spirit of Padrig to my will, I will be exalted. I will be above Vixenius. She will kneel to me. I will be above Marcos in Dwemer Hollow. And finally, finally, Mistress Coldthought will see my genius. She will reward me. She will give me a glimpse of the master. I will feel his presence. I will have his blessing. And then, then you will see. I will share his blessing. You will know his touch. You will know it, Estrella. You will join me willingly. You shall know the ecstasy of bliss. This was a very creepy and disgusting conversation we were just walking on. You are mad. You are mad, Martin. I will never join you in your unholy crusade, your silence! No, Martin, you are lost. You strayed from the path of the gods. Your plan won't help people. It will be the destruction. The necromancer lashes out at the woman, a bolt of oozing green energy grazing the side of her head as she tries to jerk out of the way unsuccessfully, and it shatters some of the stone behind her. Now you see what you've gone and made me do. If only you'd been quiet. You see him grab her hair, and he pulls her head up to look at her face. She's clearly unconscious, and the sort of even more pale sickliness has come into her skin, as if she's been robbed of some vital energy. He drops her head, letting it fall and lull to the side, and he turns to look towards your group, specifically towards Melian, whom he sees as Loghain. Loghain, you've done well. Wherever did you find such new subjects? Instruct them to lay on the tables there. He points to a set of tables about 80 feet from you on the wall behind where he is, and where the machine the, that has the gem stands. You notice, though, that they're already full with bodies. You watch him as he turns his back to the, he turns back to the machine, turning a dial and twisting a few knobs, before he pulls back on the lever, and an even larger blast of energy slams into the barrier, blocking 
entrance to the deeper portions of the catacombs. I can do this forever, you old shield. This magic, their magic, regenerates. But you, you will deteriorate and break. I have forever. And what will the party do? Tell me again where he wanted me to take the the people. Tell them to lay where. About 80 feet from where you guys are currently standing, so across the room, past the uh, can past the machine in the center of the room that you're fairly confident is the choir. There are a set of tables behind him, shoved up against a wall, that already have bodies on them from the looks of it but he's sort of gesticulated in that direction. Yes, Lord Putrelax. I have brought you this large uh, Goliath type and also this tiny child that you may try your experiments on different sized people. William, stand there next to the choir and I will bring the other two to the tables. Uh, And then Melian's going to like hand William... A, um, like a hand axe and just, like intimate that he should try smashing that glass <laughs> but subtly like hey hit that hit that thing with this thing um, when you when you say William do you mean Robert oh yes I mean I do mean Robert this was <laughs> I, could, I, I thought his name was William Romp mm, Robert Romp Taylorson Right. So said. there's no William in his name at all. You couldn't even have like <laughs> you couldn't even have gone it back is... and made it like Robert Williamson. So at least I was somewhat right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, uh, Cass. Just make me now look his stupid. middle. That's fine. <laughs> his middle name's William now. <laughs> he he looks confused for a moment, but then remembers distantly in the past his parents referring to him as William and Will, and is like takes the axe and goes and stands over by it. <laughs> <laughs> I for- actually I also forgot that he's supposed to be controlled so I should have just called him slave but whatever no it's fine <laughs> awesome. it doesn't look it look like Putrelax is sort of listening but he basically is he's turning no- little knobs and you hear clicking and whirring and then another blast of energy shooting and he's also just coughing <coughs> as you guys start to get closer to that side you can actually hear the whimpering of children. And you see... There's a room full of cages, right? On the far side behind the machine and where the machine is blasting into the barrier, that on the left side of that, like, sort of hallway-ish room on this side of the chamber, there's a table and what looks like a bookshelf that are covered in notes and letters. But on the other side, there's a wall of cages just filled with children. Lord Putrelax, would you like me to put this child with the others? <coughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. The keys are on the table there. Be mindful. Don't cross the street. Yes, of course. And then, uh, Melian will lead the whole group over towards the ch- children with under the... And, and, well, wait, I go grab the keys and then head towards them. All the children. 
you can go over and grab the keys, but as you come up to go around over by the children, you're actually going to cross really close to Putrilox. Mm-hmm. Stab him. I, no, well, I don't want to stab him now. I, first of all, I'm not a paladin. Paladins <laughs> definitely do the stabbing. Corey's uh, waiting also... for, like, a signal. <laughs> oh. They well. would really like to just whack this guy, but it seems like Melian has some very intricate plan. <laughs> well, I also do want to... So, Uh-oh. my... I do kind of have an intricate plan. My... The thought was that if we open the children's cages while we attack... No, because we need them to go... This is a terrible plan. All the children can fight for us! Child no, army! I was thinking Child they could army. escape while we were... Mm. Escape where? Through the portal we Yeah, it, it was that... That's the thing, is that I suddenly realized I didn't know where I was going to send them, so... The other thing I will note, uh, because you guys were already in the room, I didn't include this in the beginning description, but I did tell you last session that as you passed and as you got close to the room, there were niches off to the side, and what looked like possibly ghouls were standing guard in those. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we saw those on the way in. I'm hoping that the smashing of the, um, of the choir will cause those guys to drop. I'm not... I'm hoping, but I'm not holding my breath. I think for now the children will probably be safer in the cages. In the cages, for sure. Alright, in which case, so while I'm over there grabbing, while we're there grabbing the keys, uh, Melina's gonna do that thing where his eyes get real big, and then he, like, looks right at Quarry, and then moves his head and looks right at Putrelax, and then looks back at Quarry, and then looks over at Putrelax, and then, like, makes a show <laughs> of, like, then he's gonna pick up the keys and then drop them and go, Oh, I am so clumsy. <laughs> It is this newfound power. I'm so filled with rage. When the uh, keys hit the floor and as Melian's, like, makes a fuss about it, Corey draws their halberd and, uh, with a very big grin on their face, swings right at this guy's neck. Because he's looking at Melian as this happens. Why did I think he was looking at the ballista thing? Melian is basically, like... He's if he's standing looking at the ballista on the left side of the room that he's that this beam is going into oh, okay. is the table that has the keys on it, and on the right side is the cages, and on the far end is the like archway where this barrier is shimmering and the bolt is going into it. So he's sort of angled off to one side, mostly looking that way. But when Melian dropped the keys, I was going to say that he looked over towards Melian with this sort of look of confusion about the the rage comment <laughs> and then i think that's when you strike yes everyone roll initiative and then you guys are getting a surprise round so what that means is we still do everything in initiative order but once it reaches his turn he gets to make reactions after that mm-hmm. that's a seven. Fifteen. i got a nat one. Oh no but I add two to that, so three. Fifteen. Uh, Faileth, what is your deck score? Uh, it is... You get a nat one, too. Uh, I have a plus two to dexterity. It's fifteen. This also has a plus two. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing initiative for the ghouls as well. Ah. And, like, yeah, the, just the other things in this combat. Um, his is also a fifteen, well, so... Roll off? Roll off? I got a 14. 
I got a 17. Ooh. So, Faileth will go before the very last ghoul. Cool. Got a nat one, still not last in the order. Go, Faileth. Yeah, he got a nat one as well. That's what I get uh, for being excellent. David and Brian, who has the higher dexterity score between the two of you? I have a dexterity of 16. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, rolling Can off. you roll off? <laughs> uh, one. Or decide between the two of you which one would like to go first. <laughs> uh, well, I rolled two dice, but I rolled a five on the smaller one. On the first one. I have the order. Melian, you go first. You've dropped the keys and are and have bent down. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think whether I would do anything. I, hilariously, after fighting for getting to go first in the initiative, I'm like, I don't know that I would... Melian is absolutely waiting for the paladin to do the first strike, so... Honestly, it's not a full plan if we were to lay after the paladin. So, one thing that you could do is, like, you have to get the keys anyway and move. You could start most of your movement and be nearby him as if you're passing over to... passing around him to go over to the cages. uh, And then hold your action. Well, but, uh, yeah, what I wanted... what I actually want to do is, because I, I... I, I want Melian, or not I want Melian, I want Corey to have this moment where she can uh, like really flex her uh, her muscle at ne- necromancy bloop, bloop, bloop. necromancer killing. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw the keys to uh, Faileth so that Faileth can go in an effort to try and keep her out of the battle by encouraging Good her luck. to where the children are. Yeah, well, listen, Melian has very rarely been able to predict Faileth's movements. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to throw the keys to to Faileth while doing that thing he's been he's been working on, which is causing all the hair to suck back into the head so that he doesn't have it in his eyes during the combat. <laughs> I forgot Amazing. about that. I love it. Gross. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine the noise it makes, and there's no pleasant noise that it could make. I just nope, gross. Ew, don't do. Nope. It's just the sound of hair growing, but backwards. Oh, that's gross. Raw. Gross. Raw. Ew. <laughs> no, unacceptable. Anyway, that's Melian's turn. Okay, Jovan, it's your turn. Uh, immediately delaying below Quarry. So, do you want to delay, delay, and actually move below Quarry? Or do you want to... Um, ready in action. Ready in action. Ready in action. So that you'd remain in the in the order. But you might not get to act if something doesn't happen this turn. Also, Quarry, I entirely blinked. What is your dexterity score? Oh, um, it's a 10. If I'm correctly up, I'm not able to move and then ready in action. Ready in action is a full round action, correct? Or is it a move? Uh, no, it's just an act. So you have a move, oh, okay. and then you have an action, and then you have a Excellent. bonus action. And they're all three completely separate things. How close is he to the beam? There is a machine in the way, and there is like an arm of the machine in the way. So if you tried to like push him forward, he'd clothesline on that arm. Sure. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to position myself on the far Which side of Which probably would push the machine. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, could I push the machine to move the beam instead? What would it be pointing at if it were to be going through him? Uh, you'll kill all the children. Mm, tough, tough. Let me mm. just... Hmm, yeah. Could be worth it. Um, yeah, you know, I'll flip a coin on that. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna actively actually delay my turn until after Cory. Okay. See what things look like. After that initiative time. So you'll be actually after Kawari and Putrelaxis. Because he tied with Kawari. Okay. So I have dropped you down in the initiative order. So I will, after Putrelax goes, you'll get to go. Uh, which then means Doom, Doom, Kawari, it is your turn. In the name of Soul, I will wipe your vile presence from this world. Let's hope I don't screw this up. As you're saying that, he basically like half turns to look at you and and his mouth opens and he goes Traitor! And he Soon looks back the necromancer to... will be crushed and I will rise with a new necromantic power! <laughs> I've hired a paladin of soul to help me in this! <laughs> oh, that's a 17. Betrayer! 17, that will hit. Excellent, and I am going to use my Divine Smite. Okay. So this is going to be 11 slashing damage and 10 radiant damage, unless he's a fiend or undead. He is not. He is very clearly human. How sad for me. And with that, it is his turn. He is no longer surprised and can take reactions for the remainder of the round as a look of intense anger and recognition flashes across his face. He spits out. You will pay dearly for your betrayal. And Yuvin, it is now your turn. All right. Um, so in lieu of murdering all the children, I've thought long and hard about it. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> going to just make sure that he can't do anything... Um, like murdering all the children. I'm going to go ahead and toss a net on him. Um, so I'm going to move pretty much directly adjacent to him and uh, try to tangle him up. Okay. Does a 16 hit? Yes, it does. Okay. And then using uh, crossbow expert, can use my bonus action to um, take a shot with the crossbow. Does a 15 hit? Yes. I hope this, this trend doesn't continue. Just one last every single time. Um, <laughs> four damage. And with that, it is now Robert's turn. And he's going to look, he's going to yell towards you guys, NOW?! <laughs> yes! And then he's going to swing his the axe you gave him. Hmm? And you see the axe... He's going to do so good. ...hit a barrier. Ah, oh, shit. As Robert's weapon comes within striking distance of the canisters of, in, of the, composing the choir, a flash of greenish, and greenish energy scintillates before him, and he is thrown backwards. The choir appears to be protected by some kind of barrier that is the same color as the light given off by Putrelax's machine. 
As the barrier flashes, though... Oh, he failed his save. Uh, he is going to get hurt. He's going to take some psychic damage. Ooh. Hasn't Robert, he been through enough? He's already going to need extensive counseling. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, a ghoul outside of the room will shrug off being surprised. Faileth, it is your turn. Faileth will catch the keys. Um, and then turn and look at Putrelax and say, Putrelax, more like Stinkulax, um, and cast Vicious Mockery, because I think it might be helpful to us for him to have disadvantage. So can he give me a wisdom saving throw, please? That's a 17. Damn it. He didn't Is think that, that you're mocking. Or was that a saving throw? No, it's a saving throw. Heartbreak. I know. Wait, was it a dexterity saving throw, sorry? No. It's a it wisdom no. save. Wisdom. Heartbreaking. Okay. Oh well, it's still a good insult. And with that, that brings us to the last ghoul, who is no longer surprised. And that brings us to the top of the initiative order, which will be the choir taking a layer action mm. at 20. So you all feel a sort of presence flit and gently caress the edges of your mind. Yeah. I don't like this at all. Can everyone please give me a wisdom saving throw? Oh, that's the one I'm the worst. Oh, no, that's not true. I'm worse at intelligence ones. I have rolled so low. <gasps> Sorry, I rolled a 19. That's an 11. Nice. Uh, 12 plus. Oh, net minus 1, so 11. <laughs> Also 12 uh, minus 1, so 11. Melian's the only one that passes this. <laughs> Melian, you feel as if something gently touches your mind, but slips off of it, unable to find purchase. Everyone else, your mental defenses are assaulted and are briefly penetrated. You see an image flash before you of six people sitting around a table chained with manacles and tubes of various size sticking into them. This image unsettles you as the choir has wormed its way into your mind. Mechanically, it means that it has advantage against the three of you until initiative count 20 next round. Because the choir is now aware, the choir will take an action. So... I'm rolling a d6. One and two, it will go after Quarry. Three and four, it will go after Yovan. And five and six, it will go after Faileth. One, it will go after Quarry. Can you please make an intelligence saving throw? Oh, oh, oh boy, I'm so glad I'm not taking that. I'm not good at it, though. <laughs> a nine. Hey, are you sure you're not rolling a d12 this whole time? Right? <laughs> Feels like it. You take two psychic damage as a tiny little like a spike of psychic energy jams itself into your mind and you hear 
six voices, all crying and wailing in unison. Uh, and as that sort of continues, you're going to have uh, just a minus d4 to your saving throws until the end of initiative count 17 <sighs> next turn. With that, Melian, it is your turn. Kawari's halberd has cut into the sky, a net has been thrown over him, a bolt has clipped him and he's bleeding from that wound too, and Phelet that said something that you think was meant to be mocking, but didn't really cut it. Uh, was there anything visually that changed when the choir attacked Cory? Like, because I rolled a save, is Melian even aware that the choir is awake and like doing stuff? Give me a flat d20 on a 10 or higher yeah, you felt that sort of, like, brush against your mind. <laughs> That's a seven. Alright, so. No, not a clue. Your mind is so ever-changing that feeling something brush against it isn't that weird. This happens a lot. I always feel things brushing against my mind. Alright, um... Well, in which case... Uh, there's a defenseless necromancer here that I can just... Oh, but I... Wait, but I did see Robert get flung back yes. when you attack the... Can you describe this thing that the uh, brains are in again? Or the heads are in? I can actually do one better than that. Okay. If you all go to the chat program that must not be named, I dropped a picture of the room into it earlier. Zoom in to the center to view what the choir looks like. Ooh. For those listening, I will describe it, and you can also probably find a copy of this map likely on our blog if I get a chance to put it up before this episode goes live, or within the weeks that follow. I love pictures. Pictures are so good. Uh, so that you know, I used Incarnate to pull the map together, as usual. The choir is composed of six canisters of clear glass filled with a bubbling liquid and floating brains and slightly or partially decomposed heads. A partial square of eight wooden tables surrounds it, with remains of various bodies piled atop each in different states of decay. The canisters of the choir are connected by delicate copper tubing to each other, and two glimmering nodes, one greenish-yellow and the other a blood-red, reside at the cross-quarters of north and south. A barrier of similar coloration to the gem that Putrelax has powering his ballista-like machine sends the bolt that is sending the bolt of energy into the barrier also shimmers around the choir, protecting it clearly. Because uh, I was initially thinking that I would run over and like truck tump the whole thing over. That's not an attack. That's just me tumping the whole thing over. But now it's really far away. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, instead of that, um, Melian just shrugs his shoulder, shrugs his shoulder so that his shield slides out of the, the sleeve of his robes, and then pulls the sword out, and then uh, st stabs that guy in his dumb necromancer face. Ah. Yeah, no, I stab him in his dumb necromancer face. Uh, I will attack recklessly, okay. because, you know, what the hell. Does a 22 hit? Oh, yes. Well then, he will take six points of slashing damage. As your blade cuts into Putrelax, 
one of the ghouls out in the hall will charge into the room, getting until he's about 30 feet away from your party, which means that next round he should arrive to the aid of Putrilax, if this necromancer survives until the ghoul's next turn. And with that, we come to initiative 10, I think. Yes. And Wait, shouldn't the Yovan get to... Oh, no, right. He moved his whole initiative. He no. moved down. Yeah. Yep, yep. With initiative 10, the choir is going to go again. You can see the choir's actually the boss here, not Putrefice. Uh, and he is going to make an attack against... Sorry, Quarry, he's making an attack against you again. I get it. Shiny paladin of soul. This one's actually an attack, so because you failed your save earlier, he gets advantage. So that is a 23. Yeah, that hits. And you'll only take four psychic damage. As you almost feel like the skin on your head is being flensed off as this wail bores down upon you. You cannot have my brain! The second ghoul is going to start running, and just like the other one, he will arrive to attack next round. And with that, it is your turn, Kwari. Fantastic. I would like to try to hit this fellow again. Does he look particularly affected by what we've done so far? He looks like he's a normal dude that has just been beat on and slashed and stabbed. <laughs> he didn't even have any magical defenses up. I'm getting the sense that I might need to save my spell slots for the brain things, but I also don't think that in the heat of the moment is going to think about that. So... I am going to try using Searing Smite, which is a bonus action. The next time I hit, it will do 1d6 fire damage and cause the target to ignite in points. So Quarry will say, Soul, lend me your light! Uh, and that is going to be a twin. Two. That hits. Excellent. That definitely hits. So describe it. Um, I imagine like Quarry slashed one way and is now coming back to slash in the other direction. Um, and as they call on Soul to lend their light, their uh, weapon, the blade becomes white hot and has a glow about it, like a a hot kind of glow. Huh. Way to go after that. Nice description. You rolled that. I, ro I rolled a one. So that is going to be um, five slashing damage. And then it will be a further... Oh, six fire damage. And he's on fire. Um, which means on the start of his turn, he will... Until the spell ends, he will have to make a constitution saving throw. And on a failed save, we'll take 1d6 fire damage. But on a successful save, the spell will end. Or he could use an action to put out his flame. 
and he has to use an action to get out of this net. So, ha. Oh, you actually have advantage on Ed. I'm. I forgot this. No, Brian, you already had advantage, uh, but you didn't mm-hmm. need to attack recklessly. So let's say you didn't actually no, okay. attack recklessly because perfect. He's restrained from the net. Nice. So, Allie, if you just want to give us one more roll there. Come on, twenty. Nope, that's a five. Just move right along. Nothing to see here. Jovan, you see that he doesn't try to throw the net off as the, as the quarry's weapon comes down, takes a, net, a chunk out of him, and fire starts, it looks like it starts to begin to spread across his robes. But you see him reach in and he pulls out his spellbook and he flips it open. And he begins to mutter. And he starts to draw a sigil in the air. And it is your turn. I would like to steal the man's book. So it would be a weapon attack to knock a weapon or other item from a target's grasp. It would be a attack roll contested by the target's strength, athletics, or dexterity, acrobatics. I feel like a pretty good chance there. So, with my hand now open, since it's no longer carrying a net, I'm going to try to uh, knock the book from his hands. Okay. Uh, do I have advantage on this from him being restrained as well? Since uh, it's an so, roll? restrained attack rolls against... The creature have advantage, and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. Is it an attack roll against their acrobatics or uh, athletics? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just copy this over to Facebook real quick. So it is an optional roll. So it is up to you whether you want to allow it or not. We've already used this in the past. Uh, for you trying to disarm weapons out of people's hands. The only thing this means is that enemies will also use this guy against you guys. Yep. (laughs) Fully expecting that. Okay. So you have disadvantage on the attack roll because he is holding it with two hands. Okay. But you have advantage, so that will just be a straight roll. All right. Um, Well, the second roll was a 20, which is a shame, but the first roll was a 14 for modifiers, which ain't too shabby. Uh, so that would be... Would I have applied proficiency to this? Wait, why did you roll so. twice? I thought I had advantage. I forgot that he had. He was holding oh. both hands. Right, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, 17. I don't believe I apply proficiency, which would make it 19. Since it's just an attack okay. with my hand. And I don't have proficiency with an arm. Yeah then yep. you won't be adding your proficiency bonus. Let me roll up for him. He, on the other hand, does have disadvantage. I really liked this cool description, but I rolled a 19 and a 20. You know, the guy has a net. I might have got a hold of it, but I just can't pull it through the net. And he got it on the, yeah. the second pull. <laughs> so here I am just wrestling with this dude with a book and just yelling at him. Um, and that would be and are you going to use your bonus action to attack? Um, sure. Whichever. I didn't quite catch. Are there any ghouls near to Faleth? The two ghouls that have come pouring into the room are about 30 feet behind you guys. Okay. Not They'll whole... hit Kawari before they hit the rest of your group. Yeah. Not a whole lot I can do with my bonus action then. Um, okay. 
since I don't think this would proc as a one-handed weapon attack for... Yeah, yeah, that, this is just me my turn. And with that, I'm really sorry about this. Quarry, can you make a wisdom save? <laughs> Picking on the Paladin of Soul, I get it. Okay, and I have to minus a d4 off this, right? Yes. Which is a four. Uh, that'll be 13. What awful thing happens to me now? You will take three psychic damage as you feel that whale sort of like bore down into you and like just try and set into your bones to hold you where you are. And uh, you can no longer make any reactions until your next turn. Mm -hmm. And on your next turn, you can... You have to choose. Do you make a move action? Do you do have a bonus action? Or do you have an action? Unbelievable. Did you say that was three damage? Three psychic damage. Okay. Does not hit hard, just... Has inconvenient consequences. Plinky and, yes, inconvenient things. Really good at getting in your head. And with that, it's Robert. And Robert is going to start looking around for if there is anything he can do uh, to help you guys, because the choir seems to be protected by some kind of barrier. And he failed his perception check. Uh, so a ghoul from the far side of the room is going to start running, and is going to looks like it's starting to run towards to defend the choir, actually. Uh, so it will get to Robert in a turn or two. Faileth, it's your turn. Alright, uh, Faileth is first going to call upon her ghost friends, because you can always use a few extra ghosts around. I rolled a four, which is a runaway. I can immediately use my reaction to teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space, and it can take as many, and I can take as many people as I want with me. That's not super helpful. You guys want to go somewhere in the room? Ooh. Do we want to all be by the choir? Because I can take y'all with me. Well, what I was wondering is, can you teleport inside the force field that's protecting them? Ooh. Should we try? Yes. Do you want to come? I mean, Corey's very invested in pounding this guy, but if you want to take me without <laughs> consultation, I will absolutely go. I mean, I can take all of us, but I probably shouldn't would not be mad. Kawari would be surprised. The necromancer is still oh, alive. Yeah. He's All just right, well, in a net. Maybe I'll just bring Mel in. Yeah. Uh, I tell the tale of an adventurer that could escape any confinement. I'm assuming you're gonna move to be closer to the thing and then you're gonna do this because it's you teleport 30 feet. I'm gonna use my movement to get me within 30 feet. Yeah, I think you can just do it. And Melian will... Yes, Melian, based off where I think he's standing by the... Over there, off to one side of the machine, mm -hmm. he'll still be within range of you for teleporting. Yes. Uh, so you begin... As you start to draw on the spirits, you feel the press of them around you that hate this... That hate what has happened to this place. You... And you start to almost see snatches of their lives over the past... 400 or so years maybe even longer than that and you get a snapshot of a young monk 
a monk who quite often was punished by an, by an abbot that was not a fair man. And this monk became so good at figuring out how to squeeze through bars and find secret passageways throughout the abbey that he became known as the Ghost Monk. Cool. Let's go, Ghost Monk. One more deal break. Let's get in with those weird brains. As you teleport, you feel this monk sort of just wrap his habit and cloak around you, enfolding you. And Melian, you sort of feel and see these ghost, ghostly spectral hands come up around, around you and this cloak fall over you. For a brief moment, the whole world seems white and black and etched in gray. And then you are suddenly in a super cramped space between these glass canisters. But you suddenly hear a horrifying wail in your mind. Excellent. Well, while I'm in here, I might as well cast Shatter, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. I don't know why you brought me if you were just going to smash all the canisters without me. Well, I don't necessarily know that it's going to work, and I didn't know that I'd be able to get in either, so this is great. Um, each creature in a ten-foot radius sphere uh, must make a constitution saving throw, please. So that's you, Melian, yep. uh, <laughs> the choir, 24. and Robert. <laughs> so first I'm going to roll for Robert. Okay, good. Robert rolled an 18, and he has a bonus to constitution, so I'm assuming he'll pass. Uh, now yeah. let's roll for the choir, which... I really hope the brains have low constitution. Psych! How healthy could they be? They do. They, do, they definitely have low constitution. But I do need to roll for each of them. Oh. Yes. <laughs> did, did my psych help? <laughs> Obviously. It's because it's because Quarry is tethered to them, so it's <laughs> yes. where you create a door on one end. There's a passage to the other. Yes. So the first one got a one. Yes, yes. it worked. Uh, the second one got an eighteen. Eh, that one's fine. They do take half damage at least. Okay. Third one got a. Oh wait, do the jars count as inorganic material? Yeah. Because if they do, they have disadvantage. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to count those first two rolls, the, the 1 and the 18, as 1. Oh, very uh, good. So this one, the lowest roll was a 12. That does not pass. Okay. So I've got two that have failed so far. Uh, the third one got a 2 as its lowest roll. It doesn't pass! The, that, the fourth one got a 19, both times. Fine, that one passes. You gotta leave me something to do, right? <laughs> this one got a 20 and a 12. 12 does not pass. Uh, that is a 16 and a 17. So a 16. passes. Okay. Can you please describe Shatter? Uh, and the choir is about to go batshit insane. <laughs> So, Faileth appears in the center of all these jars and says, Hey, 
You slimy bastards! You've been hurting my friend Quarry, and I do not appreciate that. Uh, and then she opens her mouth, and this absolutely pure, ringing, perfect note uh, comes blasting out of it, inhumanly loud, uh, shattering the glass around her like an opera singer doing wine cups. Uh, and I would make the noise, but I would hurt all of you, so I won't. Uh, and they are going to take 18 thunder damage. And those that uh, saved take half of that. Four of the canisters start to jiggle. And then cracks begin to run up them. And they just break. And you see the liquid slosh out and the brains that were in them just start to immediately decay and this smell assaults your senses but you notice that the liquid is contained within this barrier the barrier is still around the two of you mm. they're mm. see for trapped in here you're trapped in there and they're trapped in there you're trapped i'm not trapped in here with you you're trapped in here with me why am i trapped in here with you because i love you <laughs> So, like why am I trapped in here with you? Because you're my favorite, Malian. In response to that. Yes, that was very loud. <laughs> I'm a singer. Uh, the ghoul number four is going to run into the room. But the two ghouls on the far side of the room that were closing in with Kawari look very disoriented. And with that, we are the top of the round with the choir's layer action and the choir has no idea what to do so it's going to attack quarry again <laughs> it can't do its layer action now that yep it can't do its layer action now oh, good but work. action <laughs> number <laughs> but action number one will go off and this time it is just straight attacking Faleth. Uh, yeah, can you please make an intelligence tracks. saving throw? You know, I'm not as bad as intel at intelligence as you'd assume I was. So let's see how this does. Oh, I should probably not roll that many d20s. Oof, yeah, that's a ten. This presence of these two shrieking voices slam against your psyche. And you will take... So you remember how I kept rolling really low on Quarry? You take six psychic damage. Oof. Uh, and I'm so you now hurt, have, you guys. <laughs> you now have a minus 1d4 to saving throws until initiative 17 next round. All right. Is it clear that the brains of attack fail? I don't think so. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I could yell, Ow, the brains are attacking me in my mind! <laughs> How about this? Faileth starts to get a little nosebleed. And then she says, oh, the brains are attacking. <laughs> yes! <laughs> the brains are getting their payback, Melian! I need pretty hair! Ouch, okay. Melian! I'm really hurt! And, Melian, it is your turn. Oh, well, in which case, somebody's about to enter a rage. But, actually, before that happens, um, I rolled to see if Melian would notice this, and I decided that he did. I, I just want to clarify a thing. There's a on the on the photo that you sent us. There is like mm -hmm. a little piece of green string that extends from the base of the emerald mounted 
or sorry, the ballista-mounted emerald all the way to this table that we're standing on. Um, is that a real thing? Oh, you see the thing that Robert tried to roll perception to notice last turn. Yes, so I deliberately rolled to see if Melian would put the two things together, um, and I so I made an intelligent saving throw at minus one, and I said if he rolled above a ten, I would let him have it. He rolled a twelve. So go right ahead and yell that out. Yeah, Melian is going to yell at Robert to cut the cut the thing on the ground, cut the the green string. <laughs> he doesn't know what to call it, and then. Right after he finishes yelling, he'll he'll say, "Cut the green straw," and then he go in right. There is this there's this large pipe that runs along the ground, out from the base of the stand the choir is on, and snakes out between some of the sarcophagi, or caskets, I think is the word I use for them, and connects to the machine that Putrelax is using. And you've now pointed that out. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and then I go enraged, so I get even bigger. Uh, I, I would, I You're would like do my pressing against the top of yeah, the, I was, the shield. I was going to say I would do my anime princess thing, but I can't because I'm stuck inside here. So it's this weird, awkward, like I'm just jammed against the top, but still hovering a little bit. Um, and the, yeah, my hair gets bigger and it turns white, and my features elongate and become cat-like, and uh, my arms get bulkier, my chest broadens. You know, the whole, my waist narrows so that I can have, like, a, a feline uh, profile. And then, um, yeah, I attack the, I attack the closest pain with a, with a sword I'm already holding. Go right ahead. Uh, presumably, uh, preferably one of the brains, and it's still in a jar, because I assume. Uh, yes. I'm assuming okay. that you're attacking the jars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a 22, and I didn't roll with, uh, with advantage, so I'm not. Uh, that uh, will I'm hit. I'm not attacking recklessly. And that is 8 points of slashing damage. So you do smash that one open. Yes! Uh, the liquid in this containment uh, rises a little bit higher, <laughs> <laughs> and the brain slooshes down into it. But that whale that's pressing against Phala's mind sort of lessens a little bit. The ghoul that is behind Kawari is going to look around and is going to immediately turn to the table that it is right next to, and it just starts to rip and tear into that corpse, gorging on it. Oh good, they're very hungry. Next, the choir is going to make an attack. And this time, it's going to be between Faelith and Melian. Faelith, it is you. Hey. Does a 21 hit. No. <laughs> you will only take four psychic damage, apparently. Oh, good. I'm still alive. You feel Barely. as if it is trying to... Pr like, it's pressing against your forehead, as if it's trying to bore through into your brain. Uh, did, they, did they roll with disadvantage? Because I'm enraged, and my ancestral the spirits second will one is a f The second is a 15. Does that oh, still hit? That does... Yes. <laughs> Alright, well, damn. <laughs> Thank you, ancestors, Melian! I knew I liked you! Uh, with that, ghoul number two is going to turn to the table, but he's going to start almost fighting with the other ghoul, like starving hyenas. 
And Quarry, it is your turn. Oh, good. I will... Um... The Necromancer Putrelax is in front of you. There is a... He has etched a glowing sigil in the air. <sighs> I'm, I'm jabbing for his face. Okay. Remember, you have That's advantage. Uh, that is a 21. That will hit. Excellent. That will be 9 slashing damage. As your blade slices out, uh, you see the sigil go out, and your weapon pierces into his side, and he stiffens and crumbles to the ground. Putrelax is dead. Uh, Cory stands over the corpse and says, Soul will not suffer you to live. And with that, Yovin, it is your turn. Turn off the machine. I guess I could turn off the machine, but I mean, there's ghouls there. So. That's true. True. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll try to turn off the machine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, actually, what sort of action would it be to quickly frisk uh, the fallen necromancer to see if he has some sort of key or wand or mm. artifact on his possession? So because he's under the net, I think I would say you have to remove the net before you can really frisk his pockets. And the shield is still currently up around the... Yes, the shield does appear to still be currently up around the choir. I really don't want to start flipping levers while the two of them are still caught in there, so um, I'm going to spend my standard action to attempt to remove the net from the corpse uh, with a strength roll. It's DC 10, it'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I have a strength roll. Okay. If you fail, yep. it's just because his limbs are tangled and are starting to already set into rigor mortis. I just did a really good job tangling him in that net. That's not that. Or actually, hold on. I just need to do a certain amount of slashing damage. That might be easier because I think I auto-hit there. Yes, you will auto-hit. I'm going to draw a knife and attack the net, and it is a DC 10 to hit it. Okay. I manage just barely uh, with a Did you get an six. 11? Before um, proficiency and before dexterity, it was a 6. Uh, <laughs> so I've cut okay. it close, but I am cutting it. Um, and then <laughs> it is a d4 plus my dexterity, which means I just need to not roll a 1. And there's a 2. We're good. So I slash the net. You slash the net and you start to frisk him. Is there any sort of artifact key or something? As you begin to frisk him, you... Like, there's his spell book. There's a couple different spell components scattered throughout, but you don't find a wand, and you don't find, like, a key or anything. And you do remember that as you were looking across the room and as you got closer to him, he was just turning knobs a little bit and then pulling back on the main lever. But the crystal does look like it's only just, like, gently sitting in it okay. with like okay. some little metal prongs coming up around and to- holding it in place fair enough that will be in my next turn then uh Cass yes before we get too far from Quarry's turn I didn't think about this I only oh I can't I can... oh never mind the brains attack me and I can only do one thing I was gonna say yes. I moved but I don't yeah 
you can attack you could do an attack bonus action or yeah got it yeah. never mind and now the acquire is going to try to lash out well it still has some strength Ooh, and it's gonna hit melian <laughs> melian can you make a wisdom save oof doubtful Haha! <laughs> Roll the 19 again! <laughs> so, this. You feel like this lash try and wrap its way around your mind, but it just slips off you. <laughs> Slightly glancing to the side as if it can't find purchase. And with that, we come to Robert's turn, and Robert is going to heft his uh, his hand axe. He's going to raise it up, and he's going to try and bring it down with both hands. He rolled a two? His hand-eye coordination in this like half-greenish light is not the best, and his hand axe is nick the side of the uh, pipe, but it doesn't actually cut into it. He only just stopped being brainwashed, so I feel like it's understandable hmm? that he's not quite up to par yet. And then with that, uh, ghoul number three, still controlled by the choir, is going to make its way almost to the choir. It is now just on the other side of the bottom tables below the choir. So next turn, it will make it to Robert. Faileth, it's your turn. Right, well, I suppose I should kill that uh, last little brain in here, shan't I? You know, I'll do. I use my war pick. I never use my war pick. Maybe I don't. What kind of melee attack do I even have? Never done this. I mean, it might not even need an attack. You just need to unplug it from the machinery, right? I just need to smash the glass. Just pickpocket the brain. They're Easy. not as detail-oriented as Yovan is. About <laughs> the fact that this machine probably is very interconnected. Ah, <laughs> uh, heartbreaking. Smash Can't pickpocket the, the brain. glass is more fun. All right. Here we go. Attack roll. Oh. Does a 13 hit? Why, yes. It does. <gasps> yeah! <laughs> Let's go 1d8. That's a 4. 4 damage. <laughs> Which, considering that it took 8 damage last time, it has 10 hit points. You will... You're... Where the cracks had spread across this, you hit the center of one of one of them, and the whole thing just breaks. The top comes tumbling down, and the liquid fills up a little bit more. It's now up to around Melian's like mid calf, and probably up to, like Faileth's knees, with brains just floating in it. Stupid brains. And with that, ghoul number four. And ghoul number three. Uh, ghoul number four is going to join up to about where ghoul number three is, but he's going to immediately ravenously like push the other ghoul out of the way and start to munch on the body in front of him. 
So with that, as the ghouls are ravenously tearing into the, this body below the uh, barrier that surrounded the choir and now is interestingly protecting uh, Faileth and Melian. Melian, it is your turn. You are in about mm. calf-high weird greenish fluid that's still sort of bubbling and there are <laughs> brains floating around in it. Some of them have broken apart. Others are still a bit more oh. together. Ew! Just standing in his weird brain soup. What's the table made out of? Oh, it's actually two stone caskets that have been pressed together. So you're standing on top of dead people too. But it's two caskets pressed mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So then Melian, in a rage, will bend down get his fingers between the two caskets, and then just wrench them apart. Okay, give me a strength check. This one's going to need to be pretty high. That's good, I have a plus two, because I have a 15 strength. Is a 14 high enough? I don't think so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but why ever not? Are Million Fail is standing on top of them? Yes! Do you do that thing where you're trying to lift something up but your weight is on it? I'm not lifting it, I'm pulling them apart. Oh. Like, I can use my feet to do that. He's trying to force them apart, oh. is what I'm understanding from him. I'm uh, you sort of, let's say this, you press them a, a bit apart, but they're hitting now the edge of the barrier, but a bit of the fluid drains down, so now it's only okay. up to about your ankles. Yeah, not cast off being facetious. I, I understand that a fourteen doesn't do anything. That's, you don't have to. You don't have to humor me. We can just nothing happens. <laughs> I I like this. It 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 gives you something to do <laughs> until this barrier gets brought down or someone yeah. figures out how to get you out of it. <laughs> uh, and with that, the two ghouls that are feasting on the table behind Kwari and Yovin are going to go. Uh, I'm going to give them perception checks to see if they will turn away from their ravenous eating towards our heroes that are not protected by a magical barrier. Uh, uh, incidentally, no. if I don't get attacked before my next turn, I'll unrage. I'll be forced to unrage. Okay. I think that's for you, Faileth. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I mean, I can make an attack at Melian, and it'll just fail because there's a barrier in the way. So, no problem there. True. Uh, that, that would be incredibly cheesy. It's not just an attack. Apparently, I have to take damage. Oh, rip. And with that, uh, the two ghouls uh, do not, are not broken from this uh, ravenous spell. They are devouring this corpse. It's only been like six seconds, and they've probably put at least half the body into them. Bones and all. And with that, Quarry, it is your turn. The machine stands in front of you. The crumpled dead form of Putrelax is on the ground uh, with a net that's been cut open in front of, over top of him. Uh, and about 30 feet behind you, maybe a bit less, there are two ghouls feasting at a table. I think Corey's duty is clear. They'll look at Jovan and give them kind of a you've got this sort of nod in the direction of the mysterious green thing uh, and head for the ghouls. 
Yovan will respond with a raised eyebrow, I, I got this? Quarry <laughs> <laughs> has absolute confidence in you. Oh, no. They saw what you did with the, the room where you examined all those magic-y things at Buchanan's. You've got this. I could probably actually set up one of those down here if we have time. Just in the middle of combat. Go for it. But yeah, yeah, it I'll keep the wheels away. Yeah. It takes an hour to set up. <laughs> <laughs> That's only... A few rounds. Yes, these ghouls. There are two ghouls. You are within melee striking distance of ghoul number one. Cool. Um, For the record, I am using the reach advantage of my halberd. So you are ten feet back from it? I am, yes. And... I am going to swing towards it happily doing soul's work. It's only a nine. You slice the air in front of said ghoul. Yeah, I didn't get close enough. (laughs) But he definitely notices you. Or she. It. Notices you. Uh, But Yovan, it is your turn. There is a machine that is whirring and making clicking sounds, and that bolt of energy is still flying towards the barrier, and the barrier actually looks like it's straining. Oh, well, that's good. Um, do I want to let it drain? Nah, no, 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 we'll leave that up. Um, the green crystal. Uh, can I mm-hmm. just... Cast Mage Hand and bonus action have it pluck the crystal? It definitely can. The little the tines that are holding it in aren't holding it in very strongly. So you're gonna yank the crystal up with Mage Hand straight up? Uh, away from the machinery as much as possible. In your direction, like, Preferably. give me some information about what direction this is going. Uh, all other things being even, it would be towards me, um, but mostly if the machinery explodes, I want the crystal as far away from it as possible. Okay, so are you in the square right behind the machine at this point in time? I was playing patty cake with the um, necromancer's corpse. Which means that you, so if we are looking at the map, you're in the square right above the table with the lady. Gotcha, okay. Okay, so do you want to move a bit and then do this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll move okay. towards. Um, where are the ghouls on that map? Uh, the table with the guy. About thirty feet down. Okay. On the right hand side. Move towards the west. Towards the table that does not have anything on it, and the. Uh, That's the one. Bovine skull. Yeah friendly looking thing. Okay. So you move over there and you'll yank the crystal and start pulling it towards you. As you pull the crystal out, you see the beam of energy continue following from the crystal to the machine. And then you see it thin and snap. And as it snaps, there is a concussive detonation from within the machine and a blast of energy larger than you have seen the machine previously produce 
smashes out of it, colliding with the barrier. Ripping straight through it. Oh. You see the white barrier fray and thin tendrils almost lash out like the tendrils of a wounded beast as it unravels. With a shudder, the machine falls silent, and the glow suffusing the room now only comes from the gem. Uh, are the children okay? The children look terrified. They've pulled themselves up against the wall, and like, at the backs of their cages against the walls, and they're crying. The pipe that goes along the floor, you see the green energy that was pulsing through it, fades along it, and the barrier that was protecting the spot where the choir was sputters out of existence. The liquid just splaying across the floor with brain. That went better than expected. I was already halfway through the description thinking, like, I probably should have just cut the cord, but no, this, this works. This works. And with that, it is Robert's turn. Uh, he sees the barrier... Uh, he, he sees the light go out of the pipe and he looks up and goes what should I do and then he sees the ghouls and he basically jumps and hides around the other side of the table he's like what, the, what are those what is that Jovan your friend is useless he's had a few comfortable years in an abbey maybe it took a little bit of the scrap out of him I can go with him and with that it is ghoul number three the the two ghouls that are one of the two ghouls that are feasting on that table just on the other side of where Faleth and Melian are and ooh he did notice Faleth and Melian he notices the brain matter that has just come sloshing down in some sprays and slightly hits his foot and he looks up and he locks eyes with the two of you and he's going to bound up over the table and jump to strike at Melian. Melian, this attack, if it hits you, you'll still get to rage. Uh, does a... Does a 22 hit you? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you will take 5 slashing damage, and can you make a constitution saving throw? DC 10. Oof, I rolled a 10. Oh, that's good. You're not paralyzed. And with that, Faileth, it is your turn. There is a slavering ghoul with decaying body matter coming out the side of its mouth, frothing, just slashing at Melian in front of you. Ugh, dead things should be dead. Uh, and I'm going... Am I within touch range? Oh, yeah. You're standing on one of the five-foot... On one Excellent. of the two five-foot squares that are this side of the choir's pedestal. Dead things should be dead! Uh, and I'm going to poke it with my finger, and the black necrotic energy is going to weave around it. Uh... <laughs> Does a 27 hit? Yes. Excellent. It is going to take... (laughs) 
24 necrotic damage. So as you reach out and touch it, your the darkness that lashes out just wraps around it like coiling serpents, and as the darkness pulls back away, you see huge chunks of flesh missing from it, and dust just pours from those as the thing falls apart. Oof. Don't like the dust images. I've seen a lot of dust lately. Stupid dead things that aren't dead. And the other ghoul is going to look up, see what happened to its companion, and it is going to attempt to strike the nice, tasty little morsel that appears to be Faleth. Everyone say goodbye to Faleth. This is the end. Faleth does a 12 hit. No! (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I live another day. The school does not strike you. That's good, because I have so few points left. There is one ghoul in front of Melian and Faleth now, as both of them jumped over the table and Faleth completely dispatched one of them. And there to, are two I'm, ghouls over by Kwari. And with that, we're back to the top of the round, and Melian, it is your turn. Kwari, the ghoul, the two ghouls are going to go, and then it's your turn after. I tear that ghoul apart. You're going to tear this one apart? Uh, yeah, I don't even use. You know what? It. I, I don't even use. Um, no, I use. A, I use weapon. <laughs> For effect, <laughs> I throw my weapon. No, no, I, I use a weapon. That's, that's no way. Does a thirteen hit? Just barely. Good, because I. So I'm sorry. I'm attacking recklessly. I did roll with advantage, mm-hmm. and the other one was a five. Oh. Which is a crit miss. So, um, and then he will take ten points of damage. That's my maximum amount of damage I can do. But I'm raged, so we'll actually take 12 points of damage. Knight, you cleave into this ghoul, and you take a nice chunk off it of its already dead flesh. But it's... it's, You can see the madness in its eyes. This, like, intense hate and pain. Maybe it even welcomes death. I roar in him, in his face. It's an undead thing. It was wrong. Be a ghost! Like a normal thing! Uh, Quarry, one of them is going to lash out towards you, uh, but it will miss. Mm -hmm. It doesn't realize it needs to close its distance before it does. Mm -hmm. Other is going to try to close the distance and does a 18 hit. That is it hitting me from behind or in front? They're both coming at you from the front because oh. they're then it in matches the my AC. Weapon. Okay, so then it will be your AC. You'll take seven slashing damage, and can you make a DC ten Constitution saving throw for me? That is a twenty-one. That will succeed. You are not paralyzed for one minute. Yay! And with that, Quarry, it is your turn. Excellent. Um, I am going to attempt to hit one of these ones that are in front of me. I guess the one that got close enough to me to 
hit you make that constitution save. That is a 19. That will hit. And that will be 11 slashing damage. You cut into this thing. It does not look good, but just like Melian, the one that was attacking Melian, these look like they've been driven to the point of insane hunger. Oh, good. Like they, Something has been keeping them completely acting against their hmm. normal behavior. Right. Uh, and with that, Jovan, it is your turn. You have your mage hand floating a green gem that is about the size of a child's forearm and uh, quite thick across. It is glowing and it is basically the only source of light in this room. Oh, first things first. Uh, let's fix that. I'd rather not fight be fighting ghouls in the dark. Um, I'm going to pull out a lantern, drop my crossbow for now, I guess, and light the lantern to get a little bit more illumination down here. Okay. And then I'm going to use my move action to slowly and uh, trying to look minimal, minimally mess, minimal, meh, meh. as friendly as possible. Uh, he's going to try to approach children and calm them if he can. Because last thing, uh, been making a ton of noise down here. We don't need anyone screaming to let the folks upstairs. They're whimpering, but you can see that all of them have those bands around their head. So it appears that children seem to react like uh, they they seem to bounce back faster because they didn't fall unconscious like the adults did. But whatever is going on, they're unhappy. Uh, that will be me then. That it's going to be Robert, and Robert is going to. Can you throw a hand axe? Yes, you can. He's going to heft the hand axe. He's going to try and throw it past Melian and Faileth at the <laughs> ghoul that they are engaged with. He just needs glasses. Everyone say goodbye to Faileth. This is the <laughs> end. He got a nat 20. See? He just Yay! needs glasses. He can't see the things that are close to him. His, his vision is much better at range. Good job, William. <laughs> This axe is going to come sealing through the air and bed itself into the thing's forehead. And right. it's just going to fall back dead. Uh, as a bonus action, as a reaction, I'm going to grab the axe as he falls, pull it back out, and slide it into my Nice. Awesome. Uh, and with that, Faileth, it's your turn. The ghoul in front of you has fallen back, Melian reaching out and ripping the axe from its head and you can see that the head just as it falls back crunches against the ground and peels open a bit more to one side so he's on death's door is what i'm hearing well i think it's on the other side of death's door <laughs> oh is, is he dead he's down oh it's dead dead <laughs> oh all right that's all of them then right we're dead uh there are two ghouls fighting quarry all right I'm out to second level spells, which is all my good hurting things spells. But I'll yell across to Quarry. Hey! Hey, Quarry! Yes? You did great! Uh, and she's got <laughs> Bardic Inspiration. Uh, and then I will look at the two ghouls and say, Hey! Ghouls! <laughs> you suck! And they are they need to give me a charisma saving throw. What? Bell are, is this far? Bane. I think they might be too far away. What's the range for Bane? I thought it was pretty 30 short. 30 feet. 
Way too far. They are, t- they are too far away. Because remember, you had to do a move action and then Right, teleport. I moved 60 feet. That's right. I just thought I teleported 30 feet. Uh, so they are okay. too far away for that. Are they too far away for 60 feet? Let's say you can hit them with something at 60. Cool. So I will pick the one on Quarry's right and say, He... I don't know if you'd notice, but you look like crap. You should probably go back to being dead, maybe. Um, and he needs to give me a wisdom saving throw. A 14. That does not save. So he's been viciously mocked. He takes three psychic damage and has disadvantage on his next attack. And you did the one on the of quarries. That was the one that went first. So this is the first attack that has hit this one. And he now has disadvantage. Excellent. And that, Melian, it is your turn. Hey, Faileth, remember that time that you got hit by that thing despite the fact that you were protected by my ancestors? Yeah. Do you remember how much damage you took then? Because it turns out you were resistant to that damage. Oh, no. To clarify what I'm getting at, is that until the start of my next turn, that target has disadvantage on any attack roll, it isn't against you, and when the target hits a creature other than you with an attack, that creature has resistance to the damage of the target's attack. So not so only do I grant this advantage against... Exactly. You should, so whatever it was attacking with, I gave you resistance to it, so you should have only taken half. I don't Faileth, how much health do you have right now? Four points. Wasn't it... Was it the one that rolled six? Because there was definitely one where it had rolled surprisingly high on Faileth. But I don't remember if it was that one. And then I think there was a four after that, but I could be wrong. Something like that? This one, I think, was four damage. If, anyway, we'll say that it was four damage, and so you're up at six hit points. Six whole hit points, you guys. I'm going to be fine. (laughs) Listen, I'm working on it, all right? (laughs) The threat of death is lifted from me. Melian, it is your turn closest uh, goal is about can... 60 feet. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I can make it all the way over there. Um, so even though I'm enraged, as a as a bonus action, I pull a potion of healing out and hand it to Faileth. Like, and then I huck a javelin. I mean, unless I get close to those ghouls, I don't think anything's gonna hurt me, so we might want to save this. Yeah, but you're going to need to be healed eventually. I, I mean, I can't talk. I'm still a lion person. <laughs> exactly. And then I throw a javelin. Uh, <laughs> I attack recklessly. <laughs> does an 18 hit? Yes, it does. I mean, uh, I meant to roll. So to clarify, roll? just so that it doesn't sound like I'm cheating, mm-hmm. I, in order to make it go roll advantage automatically, I have to hold it down the button to hold down and then like move up in this instance I held down the menu came up and I let go and it rolled so I was intending to roll with adva- uh, to roll with attacking recklessly even though my first roll was a 9 and probably wouldn't have hit uh, I'm attacking the one that um, if, if I remember correct the, the other thing about reckless attack is you can attack and then choose if you're attacking recklessly oh so yeah you, you absolutely can mm-hmm. nice well, in that case, anyway, I still roll an 18. Again, I'm attacking the same one that Faileth attacked. Okay. Uh, and it'll take six whole points of piercing damage. 
a javelin comes soaring across the room, Quarry, and just takes one of the ghouls in the side and slams him into the table. Uh, It's not dead, but because this is the one that barely has been hurt. It's only Mm. been hurt by Faelith and and not by you. Uh, So now Melian and Faelith have hurt this ghoul quite a bit. And with that, actually, this ghoul is going to go. And it's going to be really confused first by this javelin, but it's going to try and bite Kawari. No. no, it's going to try and claw Kawari. Mm-hmm. And it has disadvantage, so does a six hit you? Oof, close, but no. Oof. So it is going to rake out its claws at you, but miss. Uh, Just coming real close, but not finding purchase. And that second one is also apparently a six. It's going to reach out and try and claw at you, but they're basically fighting over each other trying to get Uh, at you. Nice. Quarry, it is your turn. Right. Well, I am going to try to hit one of them. I don't... Which one? I guess the one that I tried to hit last time. Or the one that I did hit last time. Yep. And Faileth, the disadvantage from Vicious Mockery is only one round, right? Yeah, just on his very next attack roll. So if he does two attacks, it's only for one of them. They only do one attack. So. But he has. His disadvantage is now over this round. Yes. 17? That will hit. Six slashing damage. So you slash this one. Uh, It looks real like it is close to death, but it is still being spurred on by whatever insane torture has held it in its grip. Hmm. And with that, Jovan, it is your turn. You have lit a lantern that is bathing... Some more natural light into this room. Nice warm glow of a normal fire. But you are also holding or have floating nearby a glowing crystal covered in a thousand facets. You looking at it, you can almost feel as if as you look into it, you can see all the faces of townsfolk staring back at you. Well, that's spooky as heck. Um, I'm. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna. We're just gonna protect that for now. We more carefully in a moment. Um, in the meantime, um, uh, I probably want to leave the crowns on the kids for a little bit longer, which is conflicted about. But um, we'll deal with the ghouls first. Remember, Faileth has the keys. Yeah. Well, no, that doesn't really stop anything. You just hold the crystal and have the hand uh, pluck all the... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm going to place the lantern down, just drop it down gently, um, and draw the crossbow, if I can do that as... That drawing it can be part of your attack? Cool. Awesome. And I will take two shots off towards near school. So I'm assuming you're going to take one shot off, and then you're going to see if that ghoul's dead... And then you'll take the next shot, rather yep. than hitting both the same ghoul in case you kill one. In yeah. the first hit. 
yeah, just rolling both for the convenience. But uh, first one is at six after modifiers. So, uh, sorry, it would be an eight after modifiers. <laughs> that this won't hit. hit, sadly. So, uh, taking a second shot. That one's a little bit better. That's going to be 19 after modifiers. That will hit. I should have asked you which ghoul you were hitting. Are you hitting the one Kawari's fighting? Or the one that has the uh, javelin out of its side? The one with the javelin on its side. Uh, okay. That fellow's going to take uh, six damage. Excellent. It looks like it, it will soon be joining the ranks of the others. And with that, it's Robert's turn. And Robert is going to come up behind like he's gonna start walking over towards you guys being like are you are you okay uh, did, did I guess I'm still a pretty good throw uh, are, are, are you okay and he's sort of looking at Mel at the point if he hadn't seen Melian transform he might be utterly horrified and fail if it's your turn right I guess he's back to being useless he only had one weapon <laughs> I know I'm just ragging on him poor guy Fist with a ghoul uh, doesn't sound like a grand time to me. You know what? Let's just bop for a pain. That's a thing I can do. Oh, uh, no, not that one. Never mind, it's not a thing I can do. Everybody's too far away. Uh, so I'm going to yell at the same one I attacked last time, and I'm going to try to come up with a more clever insult. Hey! You don't look like a ghost at all. You look like... A corporeal abomination made flesh! It's not a very good one. Uh, he needs to make a wisdom save. Six. It does not save, so... He takes one damage! And he's got disadvantage again. I know that really that's all for the disadvantage, but the one damage attached to that insult sort of matching. <laughs> yep, I mean it was very weak. Faileth? is surprisingly not great at insulting people because she doesn't know what normal things think are bad. <laughs> I, I like to believe that uh, one damage was confusion rather than... <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Weird child. And with that, Melian, it is your turn. Uh, in which case, Melian once again pulls out a, a, his second javelin and just with a mighty roar... Whoa! <coughs> throws this javelin again. Uh, that's a 22. Oh, that will hit. That and hits. And that will do 7 points of piercing damage. Please describe the end of this poor unfortunate. Uh, well, Melian's got uh, improved strength. Oh, it's actually, he would have taken 2 more damage both times, because I have strength bonus on that. Uh, no, because maybe they're not melee attacks. That's that. Yeah, it's a melee attack that I get. Oops. Never mind. So, Still only seven. Um, uh, yeah, so the last one pushed him against the wall. This one pins him to it. And he sort of climbs, like, he's trying to get to quarry, and so he slowly, like, pulls himself along, turning to sand the farther along the spear he gets until finally he sort of gets to the end and unhooks himself from the javelin, pinning him to the table. But his whole, the whole center of his mass is turned to sand, so he just sort of crumbles, his legs falling one way and his torso falling the other as he split in half by the dissolution of his corporeal form. Okay. Uh, rather than it turning to sand because the dust is something else, 
oh, for well, for Faleth. Uh, let's say that as you're as it's pulling itself along, it's like more and more of the flesh keeps getting caught and pulled back, oh, and it basically is, like rips the center out as it pulls itself off and then collapses. And with that, uh, there that ghoul is dead, and the other one is going to slash at Kawari, and it, but it is muttering something in common as it does. Does a 19 hit you from the front? It does. So you will take 9 slashing damage, it almost dealing max damage, and can you please make a constitution saving throw? DC 10. Oh, no, that's a D10. Don't roll that one. Uh, that is a 12. You are successful. You are not paralyzed for one minute. And as it slashes out at you, you hear it muttering, saying something that doesn't really make sense. Growing, growing, just wanting to get out. Growing, growing, always growing. Hmm. And with that, Quarry, it is your turn, and there is this ghoul talking. I say, dear fellow, what are you going on about? Um, I'm just gonna hit him. <laughs> I was gonna say, Corey, what happened to you? <laughs> well, you know. Um, that's when did you turn into Professor Henry Higgins? <laughs> that uh, will hit. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it's another six slashing damage. Uh, you Second will end this level. poor and unfortunate muttering ghoul. Now Quarry's like, okay, now we've got to search all the catacombs, because I feel like... So you just leave the school in half, gore sprang out, and collapses to the ground. Dead. Good. We are out of initiative. The putrid scent of death and decay fills these catacombs. Hmm. The barrier that once protected the deeper portions have has been broken. Jovan holds a glowing green gem. A necromancer, Putrelax, lays dead. The choir is broken, and on the various tables around there are corpses, some partially eaten by the ghouls. In locked cages are children, and along the other wall across from the children is a table filled with notes and letters and various paraphernalia. Jovan's going to be inspecting the crystal. Uh, it's unlikely, but he's wondering if it's like anything he's seen before. You've never seen anything like this. Gotcha. This crystal has been... like You've seen crystals before, but you haven't even seen a crystal that's been this expertly cut. Whoever cut this crystal was a very talented jeweler, first of all. But also the size of it? It's huge. And you think it might be an emerald, but you're not confident. Hey, uh, Robert, if you wouldn't mind tending to the kids, maybe, uh... Hmm, of course. Uh, anyone know where the keys are? Oh, uh... Melian had them. I dropped them just... Uh, Melian? Fela, yes. does Melian still have the... Ah! 
What? I've given the keys to Faileth. I threw them to her right before the battle started. Yeah, I've got them. I'm going to hey. go and check the hallway, uh, make sure that we don't have anyone coming to see what the commotion's about. Yovin will duck out. So there are actually three exits on the bottom. There's the one that you came... Or three tunnels on the bottom. There is one, the one that you came up, and then another one on the far side, oh, like across, basically down by where Quarry is, and then there's that one in the middle. Uh, making sure that the mage hand carrying the crystal remains inside the room. He's going to duck out to the one, the one that they came in from. Okay, so that's at the far end. Uh, you look down it, and as far as light goes and the dim light that goes beyond it, you don't see or hear anything actually is eerily silent. He's going to uh, continue to peek his head out through all the doors, make sure there's not a... Uh, uh, peeking into that coming. middle one, as you look into this room that's cut out from the main chamber, it appears that it's a small shrine to the three members of the Triadrian Pantheon that the Tenorian monks venerate. Three statues, one for each lot divine, line the edge of the room, one hand reaching up to support the ceiling above, and the other held out as if beckoning. The ceiling the divines hold up, uh, or hold aloft, depicts a night sky in mosaic style. In the center of the room is a small altar with the stubs of candles and an offering bowl. Not desecrated? It does not look like this was desecrated. After he finishes checking the rest of the doors, uh, he'll spend some time investigating in here um, while the others do whatever it is they want to do within the room. Okay. And you will First, I want to release check that lady. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> She's unconscious in a chair. Can um, Quarry go take a look, maybe do a medicine check to see how she's doing and, and maybe use um, lay on hands if that's... She looks like she has been through an ordeal. Uh, you can see burns on her skin and uh, that her wrists and ankles are raw where she's been strapped to the chair as if she struggled against them. There is a cut that is oozing blood on the side of her head. Okay. And she is out cold. Um... Looking at her, this, you do recognize her. This mm. is Estrella Bocamp. Mm-hmm. The lady that you met in Sarandar five I years ago and saved. Um, can I give her like if I give her five hit points, would that be helpful? Sure. Okay. Yeah, uh, you give her five hit points back, and you see some of that skin knit and close up. She looks better. She's still unconscious, but the cut on her forehead is on the side of her head is also not. Hmm. Okay. I don't want to, like, slap her to wake her up, so... I'm just gonna let her sit there for a little bit, I guess. But she is not okay. the only injured one. So I think I'd go... Well, I let her sit there, probably go seek out Faileth. Faileth and Melian, what are the two of you doing? I suppose I'm checking on the kids. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> the heavy sigh. Faileth, as you check in on the kids, you see a couple of them. You uh, 
are able to get them, a couple of them to start telling you their names, and you do recognize the names of these kids as being names that you were told by the kids, your child armada, in town. All your friends these are the child kids that army. went missing. Quaaludes. Yeah. yeah. Yona and Quaaludes and all of them. You, 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 you know Yona? Oh yeah, and all her friends. Who's They're really Quaaludes? worried about you. Oh, he's lovely. I, I got a necklace for his mother. Oh, is he new to town? Oh, I don't know. I just met them the other night. Uh, okay. Uh, who are you? Oh, I'm Phyllis. Hello. Oh, hi. What's going on? Well, it's a long story, but there's some sort of necromancer here that was using you for some sort of nefarious purpose. Took your light of soul or some other such. Put it in that gem over there. Everybody in your town is zombies now. But I think we fixed it. So it should be good. You're saved anyway. Oh, that's good. Oh. Where's my mom? Oh, I don't know. I mean, my probably mom. back in town. Probably sleeping, honestly. Because, you know, all of the bodies are just sleeping and all of their souls are walking around and being monsters and stuff so you know maybe stick with us until we finished solving it we have that gem now though so should be good please take us back to our parents yeah sure why not just so tired y'all have a wee nippy nap while we figure it out you let the kids out and most of them sort of just like they come a bit out but then they just sort of lay there leaning against the cages, just exhausted. And you can see that there are burns across them in places, and, like, abrasions that are this weird pattern. What's it look like? Give me an Arcana check. It's a 19 on the dice, plus 3. 21. So, looking at it, uh, 22? Yes, that one. (laughs) So looking at it, uh, it's almost uniform across them, and usually in almost the same places, with a little bit of differentiation based off height. And you almost get a feeling like these kids may have been almost forced to try and cross the barrier based off the sort of thin, what the whitish glow and barrier used to look like. The barrier around the choir? No, the barrier that was protecting the depths of, the, of these catacombs that Putrelax was attempting to en- to get into, which Yovan seemed to break open. Wait. And while you are turned in that direction looking that way, a light catches your eye down that hallway that was previously sealed. And you see it form into a young boy's spirit. He holds out his hand beckoning towards you and says, This way, mistress. Someone wishes to speak with you. And that is where we will end tonight's session. 
I didn't get to heal Faileth before she goes lunging off into the depths. I mean, I'm immediately going off into the depths, yes. Yes. So everyone say goodbye to Faileth. It's been a good run. No, Kaz, let me heal Faileth. I do have the healing potion that Melian gave me, just in case. I also had a really great thing planned to say when I did it. Oh, well. Write it down for next time. Okay. Because maybe you'll catch up with Faileth before she runs off. Maybe. We'll see. That is a great way to end. I am very curious. I'm sure it'll be wonderful for all of us and nothing bad will happen. No, yeah. I imagine it would have to be, right? Yes. Well, it's from beyond the barrier where the cult was trying to get to but hadn't got to yet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it so could should, legitimately should be, be decent. Yeah. And I mean, we're all going to be level five, right? Maybe. Well, well, now that you guys, now that you mention it, yes. Yay! Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. I'm so excited for more of this Brian's necromancer voice. Oh, oh, oh yes, I forgot. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> I have a thing that I meant to say now, and I entirely navigated away from that page. <laughs> I was like, uh, do I need to go My more? brain uh, told me that you were going to start singing for some reason, and then I clued into, guess you haven't finished the intro. <laughs> you got to do the thing first. <laughs> well, we've done it 27 times. 20, 22 times. 25 times. This is this episode is 26. 26. That's the one. 26 times. So, what was that in total? Um... I know you said 11 slashing damage. Yes. And then I said, did I say, somebody rewind the recording. Did I say <laughs> 10 radiant damage? I feel like I rolled a six and a four. Okay. There's an eight and a four. I definitely rolled a four because I can see it here on my die, but I don't remember what the first one was. Well, I've put it down as the 10. One, I've learned many things about myself during the pandemic and like not being able to see anybody. But one thing I have really learned while playing D&D is that I have a very hard time conceptualizing things based on descriptions. Mm-hmm. So like I still don't 
in my I can I can't in my head see how this room is laid out, even though I know yeah, how I so, described it to us in detail. So, my trick for that is that I just imagine, ignore Cass's description of the environment and just imagine a big square. And then when he tells you where stuff is in that square, just put things in the square. So when he told us when we came in, imagine that you came in from the bottom of the square. Mm-hmm. The necromancer was in the top right corner of the square. Mm-hmm. There's a chamber with some children that I think goes off the left side of the square. Um, there's a woman sitting sort of in the center top of the square. The, the, um, the brain thing is in the very center of the square. And so when we moved, we moved from the bottom middle of the square to the top left right by the, the guy and his machine um, and, and you can make up the rest of it because 90% of the time cast doesn't really remember what his description is like either or you'll say the thing and then cast well that's not you can't do that because there's a thing in the way and you'll go oh I forgot that that's a good tip you're assuming a lot of spatial awareness on my part there Brian well, so, but the thing is, is you don't need to be super spatial or just like to, to think of even if you just split the square into four quadrants and be like top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. And that gives you a good sense of where you are. Doesn't matter what direction you're facing, doesn't matter the rest of it. If you just think of the room as like a, you're looking at a piece of paper. Anyway, I need, that, that's I need my trick. If it doesn't work for like... you. You've met me, right? I need Cass to say, I'm going to describe a thing that is going to matter for combat purposes. And then I'll be like, hey, I got a piece of paper and, and describe this slowly for me while I write everything down. And I can draw it as you say it, but I can't keep it in my mind if uh, it's just a book description. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm too far into it. I don't know how to. I don't know how to admit that I don't believe it. <laughs> well, our thoughts go with you. <laughs> <laughs> you have our thoughts. I appreciate your support. It's a mystery to be solved. Okay. Happy little paladin going to the park, slicing up some ghouls. Mm-hmm. <laughs>